Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It is a Flyers Daily, brand new for the 30th of November, 2023. Flyers back in action tonight. They'll take on the New Jersey Devils. First matchup of the year between these two teams. Flyers Daily, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Going back to the game Tuesday real quick, where the Flyers lost to Carolina 4-1. Only one assist in that game. Came from Tyson Forster, where he sprung Travis Konechny on the breakaway for Konechny's 12th goal of the season. Uh, we're looking for a little bit more assists tonight in the game as Flyers and Penn Medicine have teamed up for the Penn Medicine assist, which means for every assist this season, the Flyers and Penn Medicine will donate 30 pounds of food to local communities in need. It's weird that we're basically knocking on the door of the month of December and we haven't seen the Devils yet. I feel disconnected with the Devils. And I got to say, that's probably a pretty good feeling after many years feeling a little bit too connected to the Devils from a Flyers uh, perspective. But the Flyers are uh, back at it tonight. They'll face the Devils. And here's where the Devils are sitting right now on the season. They have not gotten off to the start. A lot of people would hope. There's some areas in their team that are very good. Power play. There are some areas that aren't so good. Amount of goals are given up per game. They've got some star power. Jack Hughes who's uh, been really good. But in the standings right now, through the first 20 games for the Devils, they have a record of 10-9-1, 21 points. They're sitting in the sixth spot in the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference, two points back of the Flyers. The Flyers have played two more games than the New Jersey Devils. And in their last 10, they're 4-6-0, and and they've won their last two. Uh, let's get to the particulars on this Devils team. When you look at the Devils and uh, their statistical leader, it's Jack Hughes. And I remember going back to his draft year, and I, I was on the radio at the time, and it was lose for Hughes. And that was the the mentality of, hey, let's tank to get Jack Hughes. And then he maybe didn't get off to the roaring start in the NHL. That'll be a recurring theme in this episode, by the way, that a lot of people thought. He, it took him a little time. He's He's a slight guy. Size-wise, incredibly skilled. We started to really see his game jump to the next level last season. And this year, he's gotten off to a great start. He's missed five games, so he's only played 15. But the fact that he missed five games and is still leading his team in points is pretty astounding. When you have 15 games played, you have seven goals, so you're averaging basically a half a goal a game. And you've got 19 assists in those 15 games for 26 points, all while averaging over 20 minutes of ice time. He's got 10 power play assists for the top power play in the NHL, three power play goals, and gets a ton of rubber to the net as well. 66 shots on goal. He's got a 10.6 uh, shooting percentage. He's been simply great for the team, and the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, Jesper Brat, uh, second on the team in points with 25 through 20 games, eight of them goals, 17 assists. And again, another guy that's really helping on the power play, 12 power play assists in 20 games so far this season. Tyler Toffoli also has 19 points. Dougie Hamilton's got 16 from the blue line. Luke Hughes also from the blue line with 13. And Eric Halla, uh with 12 as well. That Timo Meyer has only played in a, a 14 of the uh, 20 games so far, but he's got five goals and six assists as well. It's a good Devils team. They just haven't gotten it together yet. But where's the rub? Where's the problem with this Devils team? First, I'll mention the power play. Their power play is not a problem. It leads the NHL at 36.8%. That is 4.3 percentage points higher than number two, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is 6.8 percentage points higher than the New York Rangers. They are killing it on the power play. 
kind of the opposite of the Flyers. That's been a, a big element for them. And, and look, they're a team that can score. But as we've talked about here, you know, the teams that can score high amount but can't keep it out of the net, is that the recipe uh, for being a successful team throughout the season? They average 3.6 goals per game, which is fifth in the NHL. Their problem is keeping it out of their net, and they have not done a good job in that regard. And when you look at where they are and what they give up, despite the fact that they're power plays tops in the league, they score a lot of goals, they're still getting scored on more than they're scoring. Like I said, 3.6 goals per game is what they score. They're allowing 3.65. That's an area where I look at that team and I go, okay, is that a team that just needs better goaltending? Is that a team that needs better team defense, that needs more structure? I don't know. The record's not great, despite the fact that you've got a top power play. I've always contended that the teams that you know, we've talked about the top five teams in goals allowed per games played. They're, they're some of the best teams in the NHL. The Kings, way up there in the NHL, 763. The Vegas Golden Knights, number two. They've got a 696 win percentage. The Rangers, I think the best. I think the Rangers are the best team in the NHL right now, and they're third in goals allowed per games played. Canucks are off to a great start. Florida. These are all teams that I think are absolutely legit cup contenders, and. It's because they don't give up a lot of goals. It's not because they score a lot of goals. Like Florida, for example, doesn't even average three goals per game. They're 13-7-2. I think we get caught up in offense sometimes, and really the indicator of a good team and the really legit teams is how many goals they give up, not how many they score. So to me, that's a big, big element of it. And I think that's where the New Jersey Devils lack. Now, is it goaltending or is it structure? Well, I don't love the goaltending. Vicek Vanacek has played in 15 games. He's got a record of 8-5. and five, But with a 3.49 goals against average, not great. And an 8.79 save percentage, really not great. And then you look at Akira Schmidt, who has played eight games. He's got a record of 2-4-1. Goals against over 3, 3.02, and an 8.96. I mean, their team save percentage is 8.85. But I don't think you can just pin it on the goaltenders. I think you've got to also pin it on the quality of chances that they give up. They're too loose, and that will not play well when it comes to the playoffs for the New Jersey Devils. It's something they're going to have to figure out. They've got some star power. They've got some high-powered offensive weapons. But ultimately, what it's going to take to win is something they don't have right now. But it's the Flyers and the Devils tonight, and it'll be an intriguing matchup. It's kind of the opposite of what you think of when you think of New Jersey Devils teams in those great years with Lou Lamorello as the GM, Marty Brodeur, Ken Danico, you know, some great players there, Scott Stevens, Niedermeyer, you know, all the other guys through the years were such a good structured defensive team and really their weakness was offense. But they were so good defensively and, and in net. This is kind of the opposite of that for the New Jersey Devils. It's definitely a departure uh, from the history of the franchise, but we'll see if it's equally as, you know, uh, with with success like those teams that won multiple, multiple cups. So it's the Flyers and the Devils tonight. Now, also, I want to mention this, too, before we get any further. Coming up on Saturday, we have the Flyers Daily 1,000th episode. So I guess today we're at nine, I guess this is 998. And 
we're, we're going to be taping some stuff today with Keith Jones and Danny Briere for Saturday's episode, and we've got some things planned for next week to celebrate 1,000 episodes. And first of all, I can't believe that we're about to embark on the 1,000th episode of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Like, I'm, it's humbling. It's crazy. I can't imagine how many hours I've been rambling in this home studio of mine into a microphone uh, about the Flyers and hockey and, and all of that. And I, I think the coolest thing about it, I didn't, I didn't know we would get to 100 episodes. This was this venture was something that a guy that used to work in the Flyers marketing department, Joe Heller, and I talked about for about 18 months after I started my other Stick to Hockey podcast as kind of an idea, germination of an idea. But I didn't know if it would work. You know, a podcast every day during the season, is, are people going to be interested in that? Is it going to be something that people will come back and listen to? You know, what are they looking for? I knew that from my years in radio, 20-plus years in radio, that radio was sports radio in Philadelphia was not serving the Flyers fans interest. They weren't giving them what they wanted. And I know that the fan base was looking elsewhere for things, uh, you know, good discussion on the sport of hockey. And, you know, here in Philadelphia, the team that everybody loves the most, and that's the Flyers. And there's a passionate fan base. But I didn't know we'd make it to episode 100, let alone here we are 10 times that, about to embark on episode 1,000. Um, going back in preparation for the 1,000th episode, I've gone back and listened to some really old episodes um, from season one. We started, I think it was on January 27th, 2020. So this is pre-pandemic when we started. And of course, you know, two months into uh, the launch of this, it could have been derailed right away because the pandemic hit. But we gutted it out through the pandemic and the pause and allowed us, I think, to stretch our legs on the podcast in a different way. Because all of a sudden, there was no hockey to talk about. But I was still having players on regularly, coaches, management, and people around the team and, you know, hockey dignitaries and broadcasters. And there was no hockey to discuss. So we just talked about hockey and the influence on our lives and had more laid back and you know, human conversations than get pucks deep, work hard, and, you know, play the right way, a good full 60 and all that stuff. So I think it allowed us to kind of speed up that process of getting to a different type of podcast. Uh, but here we are now knocking on a thousand, and um, it's it's incredibly humbling that, you know, we're knocking on a thousand, and here's to a thousand more. Uh, but I'll be keeping everybody in the loop as to, you know, the this, this special content that's coming for the 1,000th episode, um, which will be on Saturday as the Flyers take on the Penguins Saturday night. And uh, we'll have some extra stuff next week. I, I'm trying to think of, I'll have to go through some of this stuff and figure out, you know, what player has appeared the most on the podcast. If it's a player that's currently here now, I would say it's probably Travis Konechny because, you know, some of the other players that it could have been, whether it was Claude Giroux, he hasn't been here now in almost two years, or Sean Couturier didn't play for 21 months, and so we didn't talk to Coots a whole heck of a lot while he was out. So um, TK is probably the guy that has appeared on the podcast the most out of any player uh, in the NHL. And 
Um, so we'll go through that. We'll go through some of the statistics. I'll figure out the average length of episode and how many hours we have been doing Flyers Daily. But uh, uh, just thank you to everybody for even getting us to this point. And it's something that no other team in the NHL was doing at the time. We kind of beat everybody to the punch. We were the first one to do a basically team-sponsored or team-affiliated daily podcast. Now, I think that 28 or 29 of the 32 teams are doing it, and a lot of that's from the success of this podcast. So I think one of the elements that we figured out pretty quick was to involve you guys, involve the audience, whether it was Twitter questions or emails or whatever it might be. Um, So that's what we're going to do right now. Let's involve the audience. I got this email uh, a day ago. So I got this email on the 28th from John. And John said, hey, Jason, I have to wonder if we are expecting too much of our young players. It seems that the Flyers have a history of giving up on young players too early in their careers and watching them blossom on other teams. If you use Sean Couturier as an example, he is arguably the Flyers' most complete and effective player. And and he said, I remember how disappointed fans were early in his career. In his first six seasons with the Flyers, he barely made double digits in goals, and it wasn't until season seven that he actually became the player that he is today. He said, I see Noah Cates as his eventual successor. Maybe patience is in order for the youth to give them the time they need to fully develop, especially when they are not a liability on the ice. Keep up the great work, John. John, I think it's a great email, and I totally agree with you. We have this mentality in today's society. I call it the microwave mentality. You know, player development in pro sports is not, you cannot microwave it. You can't put it in the microwave for 60 seconds and expect it's going to taste as as good as something that has been slow cooked. You have to be patient with it. You have to understand that, you know, when you're evolving as a player and developing as a player, it's not a straight line. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. And just because a player has a really bad night doesn't mean that he stinks and the rebuild is a waste and he's a crap prospect anymore. It doesn't mean that. But when guys become pros, I always think that one of the biggest key keys to being a pro, in the NHL especially, is shortening that gap from your best game to your worst game. In the beginning of your career, I think that chasm is bigger. Maybe your ceiling's not as high as it will eventually be, but your basement's really low. So I think for guys, it's figuring out how to close that gap, that at my best, I'm here, but at my worst, I'm only a notch down, not eight notches down. And I think that takes time. And when you look at Sean Couturier, I mean, he is a player that Flyers drafted him eighth overall. He was a player that could have gone number one overall. He had mono in his draft year. He ends up going eighth overall in the 2011 entry draft. Flyers pick him, never played a game in the AHL, never was sent back to junior, came right from Drummondville, right to the NHL, had an NHL body already. You know, his first year he gets 13 goals, 27 points in 77 games. Um, eventually, you know, you get to, by the time he's 24, his high point total is 39, which he achieved twice, but never more than 15 goals. Then all of a sudden, heading into 17-18, John Couturier goes to Dave Haxtell at the time and says, I want to be put in more of an offensive role. I think I can help this team more. He comes back that next year in 17-18, plays all 82, scores 31 goals, has 76 points, back-to-back 76-point seasons, and he's now an offensive player. But it did 
take time. Entered the league when he was 19 and didn't have his first 30-goal season until he was 26. But in this day and age, we don't see sometimes that, you know, a player like Jack Hughes didn't have a great first couple of years statistically, but we see him now and we go, we assume that, hey, he was drafted and he's great. It's not the way it works. For 99% of the players in the league, only the freaks come in and just put up monster numbers right away at 18, 19 years of age. And the freaks are few and far between. Uh, And a guy like Sean Couturier, it took him six years to be able to get to that, to be able to do that, and also be put in a situation to be able to do it, you know, inserted in those situations strategically. So, yeah, I mean, Noah Case needs more offense. He's obviously out now for six to eight weeks. The team needs more goals. But you, you can't just expect that guys in year one, year two, year three. Look at Travis Konechny. He's another great example. He had the three 24-goal seasons back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And the last one of those 23 seasons, he had 24 goals in, I think, 66 games. So he was on a 30-goal pace. Then the bubble came and the pandemic, and it derailed him. Then he comes back last year, he's 31. Right now he's got 12 through a quarter of the season. So he's on a you know, 45-goal pace, essentially. You know, it took time. It takes time for these players. But we're so damn impatient as sports fans. And I get it's hard to remain patient. You feel like you've waited long enough. You see everybody else winning. You assume everybody else is winning. But, and you want to be there. But when Matvey Michkov comes over, it may not be perfect right away. There may be ups and downs. You just can't go crazy going, oh, he had a minus three that night and didn't had one shot on goal. He's not going to be a great player. Or you can't go crazy the other way. Oh my God, he had a, you know he had two goals and two assists, four points, three on the power play. He's going to be the second. It's going to go up and down. That's how you have to. It's like a team through eighty-two. We can't look at it through a microwave lens, and you can't judge. You can't live and die in a season of 82 games on that old NFL 16-game emotion, emotional roller coaster. You'll drive yourself crazy. But I do think that some of the players you got to be patient with. Cam York is not fully there yet. Has he shown elements? Sure. But is do we know exactly what he's going to become based on what we've seen now? My goodness, no. Same thing with Noah Cates. Same thing with Owen Tippett. There's a lot of players. Same thing with Bobby Brink or Morgan Frost. You know, development is not just this linear ladder that they will go up. It just just doesn't work that way. So I think that is a great email. And I think it's uh, perfectly stated by John. Um, If you ever want to email, you can always do so at jason.mertetus, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S, at gmail.com. And uh, we'll go through those as well. You can DM me on Twitter at Jason Mert or uh, just shoot me a tweet. Everybody, uh, Flyers Devils tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow on a Friday edition. So join us then on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily.